Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. Hello, and welcome back to the show. I am here with Wesley, my almost year-old golden retriever puppy, and we are getting you so pumped for today's podcast episode. Have you ever heard the expression plant-based? Maybe someone has said plant-focused, vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian. What the heck do all of those labels mean? And should you give a shit? Today, we're sharing an episode with you where I had the pleasure of interviewing... Wesley is clearly super excited about it. (laughs) Where I had the pleasure of interviewing holistic nutritionist, Hope Pedraza. Hope is here to talk to you about why she went plant-based several years ago. And we dive deep into why everyone should incorporate more plants into their diet, the benefits of fiber, and how you can easily, and in some cases, sneakily add more vegetables to your nutrition strategy. You're going to learn a lot in today's podcast episode. So sit back, relax, and prepare to reap the benefits of eating more plants. Well, Hope, first of all, I would love to just welcome you to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom podcast. It is such a blessing to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. It is our pleasure. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you? What do you love? How would your loved ones describe you? Give us the nutshell. Yeah, for sure. So I, um, I live in San Antonio, Texas, and I am the owner of a brick and mortar Pilates based fitness studio, actually the founder of a franchise I franchised a few years ago. And, um, so that is like my daytime gig. And then in addition to that, I'm also a holistic nutritionist and I'm finishing up my FDNP. So I'm kind of doing that in conjunction with my brick and mortar studio and then working to kind of integrate those two together. And also I have a husband and I have two little ones, a three-year-old and a nine-month-old. So yeah. So you're busy. Holy moly. A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. It sounds like you stay active on the home front and on the workday front as well. Yes. Yes, totally. Hope, I don't know the answer to this, but how did you get into this health and wellness space? Like what was the catalyst for pursuing holistic nutrition and Pilates? Yeah. So my background is in dance. I was a dancer for 20 some odd years. And so that kind of led me into Pilates since Pilates is like kind of lent to my dance background. So in college as a dancer, I found Pilates and I decided I want to start teaching it. And then that just kind of opened up this whole other realm of like teaching like fitness classes and it got me into like interest in nutrition. And so it just kind of all led me down the health and wellness path from there. And then about, I guess, 10 years ago or so, 10, 11 years ago, I went plant-based just for my own health. And so that really got like my juices flowing to learn more about nutrition and like dive deeper into the human body. And so that kind of led me more into the nutrition realm as well. 
Do you mind sharing with us what initially was your reasoning for going plant-based? Yeah. Let's know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, a lot of people have a lot of reasons why they go plant-based, right? There's like the ethical reasons and then there's the health reasons. And why I am an animal lover, my goal really was to, I dealt with digestive issues like my entire life. And I mean, I probably had at least four colonoscopies before I went to college. Like by the time I was 18, like just test after test trying to figure out what was going on. I just had a lot of like, uh, just a ton of digestive issues. And so my goal really, I started reading and just trying to like educate myself. Um, just like, what are some ways I could fix my body? Like what's going on? And so really that's what it was. It was just for health reasons. And I read a couple books and, um, it was literally like, and I don't necessarily recommend this to everybody, but it was like overnight where I'm like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to be vegan. And and I just did it. So I just went cold Turkey and I was like, okay, this is going to be me now and see if it works. And I, I mean, really and truly it wasn't that long before I realized like, oh my gosh, I feel like a million times better. So I just stuck with it. Wow. What a transition. (laughs) Molly. So you mentioned plant-based Yeah. and I think on your website, you also mentioned plant focused, but then you just said, okay, overnight I'm going vegan. Yes. Talk to us about the difference between all this this terminology. Yeah, it is weird, you know, and I sometimes use the words interchangeably, but honestly, I try not to, I feel like there's, I was just reading an article about this too. There's like this stigma around the word vegan because there are those very like hardcore judgy people who are like, you eat animals, we're going to die. You know, and I'm not here to like judge people for, you know, what they do and don't want to eat. And so I feel like there's like this stigma and some, like a little bit of like this political, like feeling around the word vegan. And, um, and so I feel like plant-based is a more gentle way of saying like, Hey, I just want to eat plants. Like that's it. I'm not trying to like come down on you for, you know what I mean? So, um, and then with, with my program, with my clients and my nutrition business, I use plant focused because again, I don't like judging people for all the things they do and don't want to eat, but I want to help them put a focus, put an emphasis on plants and not make it super restrictive where they feel like just totally confined, which never works for people, right. In like a dietary setting. And, and so to keep it as risk least, restrictive, less restrictive, however you want to say that as possible. I try to use the word plant focus. So I'm putting an emphasis on plants. And so when I'm working with my clients, I really encourage them to get to like 80, 20, where it's like 80% plant-based and 20% like whatever else we need, whether it's dairy or meat or whatever. And so obviously I talk about the benefits of eating plant-based and of, you know, not eating a lot of dairy and stuff, but really it's more of just putting the focus on it, putting the emphasis. And so you're eating, putting more plants in your body than you are animal products. I love that. I actually was in a mentorship with a registered dietitian. Her name is literally Ashley Kitchens. She doesn't know I'm giving her a <laughs> shout <awesome>. out. <laughs> she is a plant-based dietitian and okay. we had her on the podcast ages ago, but she also focuses on her clients being plant-based. And what she told us was that it's not as though meat is off limits or right. allowed or, or dairy is demonized or right. anything like that. She said, I've just found personally, and you know, it's evidence-based that the more plants we eat, the healthier we are, the better exactly. our outcomes, the better we feel. So I think sometimes we get caught up in these labels of like, well, are you vegan? Are you vegetarian? Right. Are you pescatarian? Right. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And so often like, it doesn't matter. Like, do you eat plants? Do you eat enough plants? Like, yeah. let's start there. Yeah. 
Exactly. Exactly. And that's really where I started with my clients where it's like, you were talking about what they eat and stuff. And it's like, Hey, let's get some more fiber in your diet. Like, it's not like, Hey, stop eating meat altogether. So yeah, I, I just, I think, um, putting those restrictions on people really sets people up for disappointment. I don't like to use the word failure. It doesn't, it doesn't hit right. But I think just this point where they're like, Oh, I can't do this. And you know, so, so yeah, I think kind of keeping it open a little bit and not as restrictive helps people be more um, conscious and really more mindful about it. Cause they're like, Oh, okay. How many more plants can I put in my plate where it's not like, Oh, I can't eat meat. What else can I eat? So I think it helps them kind of be able to navigate the plant-based world a little better when it's not like completely restrictive. Yes. And that's psychology tactic 101 is focused on addition rather than subtraction. Totally. So anyone who tells me I can't have anything, you better believe I'm going to crave it right. more than I ever have in my entire exactly. life. Exactly. Exactly. Not a great strategy to restrict. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Now, I hope you mentioned some of the benefits of going plant-based. Can you tell us more about that? Why should we include more plants in our diet? Yeah, for sure. So my... um my method really is a focus on the fiber. And, um, I talk a lot about this in my program and a lot of master classes that I do. It's, um, the majority of Americans don't get enough fiber bottom line. And we spend like up to $800 million a year on laxatives in the United States. And really in my mind, it's, it's, it's all about diet, right? And it's all about the fact that we're not getting enough fiber. And so with plant-based foods, the only way you can get fiber is from plants. You can't find it in animal-based foods. It only comes from plants. So if we're not getting enough plants, obviously we're not getting enough fiber. And so, um, my focus really is a focus on the fiber because when you get more fiber, not to get too sciencey, but to give you kind of the, the gist of, you know, how I set up my program and stuff. Um, when you, when you eat fiber, it's broken down as short chain fatty acids and the short chain fatty acids, the byproduct of the fiber is really what helps build a healthy gut. Cause it helps repair the lining in your stomach and your intestines. It helps breed healthy bacteria and keeps all the enzymes flowing in the right way to help your body digest food better. And so it's just like the building block really of a healthy gut are these short chain fatty acids. And you're really only getting those, mostly getting those from fiber, which only comes from plants. And so with a plant-based diet, you're getting the fiber. But in addition to that, you're getting a ton of vitamins and minerals. You're getting antioxidants, which helps build healthy cells and all that. So there's so many benefits to eating plants um, besides just the fiber. Love that. Yes. Do you find that most clients who start working with you are surprised at how little fiber they're getting? Totally. Yes, totally. And, um, and it's, and it's funny too, because it's also, I think they're surprised at really how easy it is to get like an adequate amount of fiber because really, so people ask just to answer in case anybody listening is wondering like how much fiber should I be eating? So the FDA recommends you get 25 grams a day, which in my opinion is not enough. And really most Americans, like I think it's like three quarters of Americans aren't even getting close to that. They're getting like around 10 to 15. And so 25 grams of fiber is like nothing. But when you're putting a focus on plants, because I tell them that really you should be getting like double what the FDA is saying, at least when you're putting the focus on plants, it really doesn't take that much to get that, that amount of fiber. And if I break it down for them where I'm like, Hey, if you ate, you know, some oatmeal and chia seeds and some fruit for breakfast, and then you made a bowl with some sweet potatoes and some, um, you know, chickpeas, whatever, like you could easily eat like 50 grams of fiber in like the first two meals of the day. 
So, so yes, to answer your question, not only are they surprised at how little fiber they're getting, but then they're also like, oh, okay, I guess it's not that hard to add in more fiber to my day. So it's really just requires just a few tweaks just to get a good amount of fiber in your day. I love that you broke that down for us because I think a lot of the times people are confused about what, first of all, the benefit of fiber is, which we can talk about in a second, but also how we can get it. And I think sometimes we're, we believe that the only option is like a lot of broccoli or like some vegetable that maybe is our favorite. Yes. You just mentioned several smart carbs, which are plant-based foods also. And you don't just have to sit there and eat like a whole package of spinach every day to hit your fiber goal. Like there's a lot of options. Exactly. Well, and I think that's a misconception too. Um, in about plant-based diet is like, you just have to eat salad all day. Like I'm just going to eat rabbit food all day, basically, you know, like you don't have to eat salad all day and you can still eat plants and you can still get lots of fiber. So yeah, I mean, there's so many options, um, out there that are plant-based and that don't require like salad or spinach or (laughs) kale, you know, which are all great, but you don't have to eat that every day, all day. (laughs) If it's not your jam, you don't have to gag it down. Exactly. Exactly. Hopefully. (laughs) So as an aside, I thought about this as you were talking, I really love the distinction between plant-based and other labels that we mentioned like vegan or vegetarian, because, and I don't know if you've seen this, but I have worked with a handful of clients who have been vegan or vegetarian and they're so confused as to why they're not feeling awesome, why they're not seeing results. But we forget that a vegan diet can be a lot of spaghetti and tortilla chips and cereal. Whereas a plant-based diet, even if you're choosing not to consume animal products, you are saying that it's still very plant-focused and plant-based versus a lot of like simple carbohydrates that maybe aren't giving your body nearly as many nutrients or fiber. For sure. Yeah. And really the emphasis is on whole foods, right? It's whole foods, plant-based. And so it's, yeah, I mean, cause you could totally eat a vegan diet and eat, eat Oreos or vegan. I mean, God, you could eat Oreos and cereal, like you're saying. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's really not healthy, um, that you could eat all day, every day and still say that you're vegan, but yeah, it's really putting an emphasis on the whole foods, foods and their like purest form. Um, and yeah, and kind of, Staying, not so much going to like the process because yeah, there, and there's a lot of substitutes out there too, right? There's a lot of like meat substitutes and all kinds of other substitutes, which, um, you know, if you want to eat those, that's fine. But putting your diet, uh, like a focus on that all day, every day, probably not the healthiest way to do it. Yes. I just had a client. We were talking about this this morning. She was like, so what about, is it beyond burger or something? It's like a burger substitute. Mm -hmm. Now she is not vegan or vegetarian, but she thought because it was a meat substitute that it would in some way be healthier. Mm -hmm. And so we looked at the nutrition information and we were like, actually, if you can do away with this process, that has nothing recognizable in it, you can choose to eat the animal protein if that's what's going to leave you feel best. But like, don't try to get this weird substitution in just yeah. because you think it's just, more beneficial. Right. right. And that's totally another myth- misconception. We talk, I talk a lot about these in my program because there's so many out there where it's like, there's a lot of really clever marketing out there. First of all, of course, we all know that. And so, you know, you put the words gluten-free or vegan or plant-based on the package. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is healthy. Like, yeah, not so much. So yeah, it's, that's a good distinction. Yes. Hope, I want to take us back a couple of steps because... I am anticipating that there are people listening to this conversation and they're saying, okay, I need to eat more plants. Fiber is important, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, 
it's an effort to yeah. get more fiber in. So why should sure. we care? Like why is getting a sufficient amount of fiber important to us? Yeah. So fiber is important for a lot of reasons. So like I mentioned before with the short chain fatty acids, this is what helps build a healthy gut. So in addition to that, all fiber is not created equal. So people are like, you know, I'm getting enough fiber. Well, I'll just take Metamucil, right? And they'll give me some fiber every day. But all fiber is not created equal because all fibers and plants, they're all different. Like there's, there's at least 300,000 like edible plants on planet earth. Obviously we're not eating all of those, but they all have certain characteristics that can help build a healthy gut. All of the fibers are different. They do different things in your gut. They all have their own like, um, ecosystems within them. So when we eat it, it does different things to our gut. And so when we're looking at building a healthy gut and we're looking at fiber, um, I'm getting off on a tangent, but I'll come back. <laughs> when we're looking at building healthy gut and fiber, we're looking at um, like diversity of plants, getting as much, and I teach this month clients too, getting as much diversity as possible because um, that's really what builds a healthy gut. And that's really what the fiber is all about. So not only is it help building like the healthy intestinal lining and the stomach lining, and it's help, helping build the healthy bacteria in our gut, it's all about the gut microbiome. And so that's like all the accumulation of all the bacteria and stuff that's in your gut. And it's all helping that flourish. So when you're eating fiber, you're also feeding the healthy bacteria that's in our gut, which helps it grow and flourish, which keeps the bad bacteria from like overrunning the good bacteria, right? Because when we aren't getting enough fiber and we're not fueling that good bacteria in their gut, then um, that's when you leave your gut vulnerable to the bad bacteria that can like tear, you know, give you leaky gut and have, give you little tears in your intestinal tract and it can help, it can let undigested food come out into your body. And that's what causes all kinds of inflammation and food sensitivities and a whole host of other things. And so you want to keep the fiber and keep a, a diet that's good, um, full of fiber to help feed the bacteria keep the intestinal lining and the stomach lining healthy and to give us all those other benefits from vegetables too, right? That I talked about the vitamins and the minerals and all that, but the fiber really is um, key. It's crucial to building a healthy gut. So keeping our GI systems really healthy and happy, going to the bathroom regularly, making sure that we're minimizing some of those uncomfortable symptoms, like the bloating, Mm -hmm. the gas, the constipation, belly pains, things like that. But also I've seen a lot of clients talk about how their energy levels have improved when they're getting a sufficient amount of fiber, how much more satiated they feel because fiber is very filling. If we eat something without fiber versus something with fiber, we're going to be satisfied with much less. And for anyone working towards a health goal or a weight loss goal, that can be very beneficial. For sure. Another thing, it helps stabilize our blood sugar. So for anyone looking to, one, get consistent energy, but two, maybe manage blood sugar due to diabetes, it can be so helpful. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Make sure we're getting enough fiber yeah. as well, just to add on to what you. Yeah, think. no, totally. And I think one of the things I think that surprises people the most is like you're saying, keeping them more satiated um, because it does fill you up. And it's like, there's like a study done, um, a scientific study that it measured two different groups of people. One was eating like a plant-based burger and one was eating like a burger with pork and cheese and other animal-based stuff. And they're both same like calorie for calorie, macronutrient for macronutrient. But the one, the burger that was plant-based, people were way more full for longer than they were eating the exact same calories, fat, carbs, all that from the animal-based burger. So like scientifically, it shows that the fiber plant-based foods actually do keep you fuller longer. So yeah. 
the right That's system. wild. Mm-hmm. I, my brain immediately goes to like, how can it be the same macronutrient? Because plant-based food is so much higher in carb compared to like pork and cheese, which mm-hmm. don't have any carb. But that's that's a, a question for another day. I'd have yeah. to dive into that research study <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so hope I want to play devil's advocate for a minute. Sure. What if there is a woman listening, man or woman listening, and he or she is like, okay, vegetables, cool. I'm too busy. Like I am so busy. I need something fast. I need something to take with me to the office. I need something to eat while I'm watching all of my children, whatever it is. This is a common, a common barrier that I hear to eating more vegetables is vegetables aren't super easy and convenient to trudge around, right? Like I have to prepare them. Mm -hmm. If I want them to taste good, I don't just want to munch on like a raw carrot. Mm -hmm. What say you to someone who's like, how do I make this happen with my busy lifestyle? How can I get into fiber? Yeah, no, I totally get that. And I mean, really and truly, I think it's just like, I think people um, that aren't used to eating plant-based kind of overcomplicate it because if you're meal prepping, whether you're meal prepping for foods with animal-based products or not, meal prepping is meal prepping. So really and truly, it's all about being prepared and it's all about like knowing how to plan ahead, whether you're cooking meat or you're not. So, um, and I know this is like a non-answer to your question, but, but I feel like that really is, it just, it, it gets overcomplicated because they're like, well, I don't know how to, you know, make vegetables. You make them just like you do meat. You cook them however, like, you know, however you like them, that they taste good. You put seasoning on that you like, and it's really all about just planning ahead. And so I do a lot of like meal prep and planning strategies as well with my clients. Cause that's a big thing for them too. And a lot of people that I work with, their moms with kids and families are like, well, I don't want to make this meal for me and then make this meal for my kids. Like that, I don't have time for that. So it's all about like, like smart substitutions, right? So you have meals that you know how to make and you have meals that you like that involve meat or whatever. And it's just knowing some healthy substitutions to replace it. Like, Hey, with this spaghetti that I made, I can bring for leftovers tomorrow in my lunch. Instead of using, you know, ground meat that I used last week, let me just put some lentils in it instead. And now I've got my spaghetti that I was going to make, but now it's plant-based. So it's really just having a healthy substitutions to know like some things that you can replace in some of your animal-based meals or meals with animal-based products, I guess. And, um, and then just planning ahead and, you know, utilizing your freezer and your, um, your Tupperware and your refrigerator, just like you would for any normal meal planning and just knowing how to substitute little things here and there to make them more plant-based or plant-focused. I like the emphasis on food prep. I think especially for the busy parents and the busy individuals and the working individuals, having something already planned that's fast and portable that you know you're going to enjoy is key. And whether you're making meat or you're not, like you said, it's sort of irrelevant. Mm -hmm. You either have access to goal-supported food that's going to leave you feeling good or you don't. Right. And as for getting more fiber, uh, again, like whether you're eating meat or you're not. So take the spaghetti example, like could you take half of your noodles and turn them into zoodles, like zucchini noodles and sneak in some extra veggies or some of my clients like to sneak in like a steamable bag of broccoli and cauliflower, like underneath the main meal so that they're not really like having to sit through this boring bowl of broccoli and cauliflower. Yep. For sure. Or if a recipe calls for vegetables, like can you double it without right. taking like any of yeah. the taste away? Yeah. So sometimes sure. adding more vegetables in, like you said, it's not as difficult as we might make it mm-hmm. seem inside of our brains, but it can just be little sneaky things about oh, like adding sure. them here and there. Yep. 
Totally. And that's, and that's, I do that all the time in my house. And especially with kids where you're like, there's no way my kid's going to eat this, especially like spaghetti sauce. Since we're on the topic, it's such an easy thing to add vegetables. We add canned pumpkin and we add spinach and you blend in the blender. They have no idea that it's in there. Like there's so many sneaky ways to add vegetables, add them to the smoothies. They have no idea. So yeah, there's lots of ways you can be sneaky with vegetables. <laughs> okay. So you read my mind because the next question I wanted to ask you playing devil's advocate is what do you do? How do you coach someone who says, I just don't like vegetables? Like yeah. they're tart, they're bitter. I don't enjoy yeah. them. I gag when I eat them. Like yeah. how can we overcome that type of thing? Yeah, for sure. And really and truly my first, and I do have some clients who are picky eaters that come to me and we really have to like really play around with like some ingredients and recipes and stuff. But really, I think first of all, it's, you know, list out five recipes that you like, five recipes that you like to eat. This is what I like to eat. I know I like everything in it. And again, back to the smart substitutions I was talking about, figuring out how to substitute things without altering the taste too much and how we can sneak things in. So with sauce, sauces are such an easy way to sneak in vegetables. You can throw any sauce in a blender and add some vegetables in it. And very rarely will it ever alter the taste. So like spaghetti sauce is an easy one. Making like a creamy sauce, putting in like sweet potatoes or butternut squash or something in it to make it, it's just going to change the, the texture. It's just going to make it creamier. And then um, throwing it, hiding vegetables in your smoothies, like putting in some spinach or kale or whatever it is. Um, fruit obviously is a plant and you can add that into your smoothie. But knowing how to... Um, find vegetables that you can kind of like mask the taste, right? Like I feel like spinach is a good, like neutral. It's not a super bitter green spinach. You can add to so many things. And I do at my house, we chop up or we buy the bag of like frozen chopped up spinach. And I put it in just about everything. And my kid never knows, you know, we make like homemade veggie burgers, put it lots of veggies in there. He never knows. So it's finding recipes that you like, figuring out what things you can substitute without altering the taste too much. And then it's finding sneaky ways to sneak in more vegetables so that you don't necessarily know that you're eating them because you can't taste them. Right. Lots of ways to incorporate them where you don't have to stick with that boring to some of us palate. Yeah, for sure. Well, another great thing too, I thought of it as you were saying that is um, like cauliflower rice is such a good way to add in more vegetables because it doesn't have a whole lot of flavor, but you can really flavor it up just like you would like a stir fry rice, right? And then you've just made this delicious stir fry and you've got vegetables in it because you just made it with with cauliflower instead of rice. Yeah. I think too, Hope, it vegetables change. Like we forget that it's a blank canvas. Oftentimes, like you said, there are certain vegetables that are very, very potent, but most of the time it's a blank canvas that we can do what we want with. So the way that we cook it changes the flavor of that vegetable and the way that we season it changes the flavor of that vegetable. So just because you dislike something prepared one way doesn't necessarily mean by proxy, you're going to hate it every time you try it. Yeah, totally. And that's really, and I do this with my kids a lot too, is it's finding new ways. Like what if I roast it this time? Maybe that changes it. If I put it in the air fryer and make it crispy and put some seasoning on it, like that's going to change the flavor or change the texture. So it's finding like the textures that you like with the seasoning that you like, and then just finding a way that you like to eat it. The air fryer has been like, as a side note, like putting so many things in the air fryer. I know everybody got an air fryer during COVID, I guess. I see everybody talking about it. Um, but really and truly for, at least for my family, for my kids, it's like, if you put it in the air fryer and it's crispy, like my kid's like, Oh yeah, I'll eat that. Like, doesn't matter what it is. That's so cool. yeah, yeah, it works. <laughs> Brussels sprouts and sweet potato fries are my go-to in the air fryer. Love that. Yes. Totally. So good. 
Hope, last devil's advocate question. Do you think that eating plant-based is for everyone? Um, that's a really good question. And I, I have to say yes and no, because it depends, it depends how you're defining plant-based, right? Um, I am all about bio-individuality and I am fully in support of the idea that everybody is different and, and it, everybody, you know, responds differently to different diets and all that. Uh, at the same time, I do think that plants benefit everybody. Again, it's all about the fiber, building the healthy gut. We're talking about healthy blood sugar, all of those things, all of those benefits of a plant of plants benefits everybody. So I think if you're looking at um, kind of like a broader definition of plant-based, which is kind of how I term it for the clients that I work with, where it's more plant-focused, just putting the emphasis on plants and not necessarily like, you know, never eat meat ever again. I think that I think it's totally for everybody and you can cater it to how, you know, how your body responds to it. Because honestly, there's, I mean, there's people who, you know, have type one diabetes who have to watch their, um, their blood sugar and they're like keto vegans, whatever, like you can eat low carb and you can still eat plant-based. So there's so many options. There's so many ways to make it work for you, whether that's with a little meat, without a little meat. Do you need to eat carbs? Maybe your body can't hit, you know, so there's so many ways I feel like you can cater it to how your body responds to food um, that it really does benefit everybody. So it's kind of like a yes and sort of answer. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And it really, it's all about how you're defining like, you know, what a plant-based diet is, but I think putting it more like plant focused is yes. The answer to your question. Yes. I love how you framed that. So plants can benefit everybody. However, your individual situation may be different. So you mentioned, you know, someone with diabetes who has to keep their carb content relatively low. My brain immediately went to clients that I've worked with who have IBS or SIBO or gastroparesis where maybe there are certain vegetables that they can't have, or there's a a certain fiber threshold that they can't go over. Doesn't mean they can't still incorporate plants, exactly. but their plant-based diet may look a little different than different. somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And I've worked with that too. I actually had a client with gastroparesis, same thing. The fiber thing was like a big deal. Like can't eat a lot of fiber. So yeah, it's just fine. And it's, again, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about how do you cook things and how do you prepare things to make it work for you? Love it. I think you've given us a lot of tangible takeaways that I'm hoping everyone will be able to at least pull like a nugget or two yeah. out of this. Think, okay, how can I sneak in some extra veggies to my dinner tonight? Totally. Yeah. How can I make vegetables fun with my kids to get them involved with the process yes. and train their palates from a really mm-hmm. young age? So for sure. I appreciate you having this conversation yeah, with us. Hope. Of course. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. It's our pleasure. Hope, where can everybody find you if they want to continue this conversation and or work with you? Where can they yeah. find you? Where can they do that? Yeah. So my Instagram handle is at the Hope Pajaza. And then I also have a Facebook group called Live Wholesome and Healthy. And I do a lot of, have a lot of recipes. We do some like workshops and stuff. So that's a great way to kind of learn what I do and kind of get involved with the more plant focused world. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.